Hello, and welcome to the Badger Talks podcast, the podcast that shares interviews with experts from the University of Wisconsin-Madison community about their work, research, and a little bit about what they're like as people, too. Today, we're focusing on cardiovascular health, and I'm happy to have as my guest, Dr. Lee Eckhart, UW-Madison, to talk about her work with arrhythmia patients. My guest is Lee Eckhart, a professor of medicine in the Division of Cardiovascular Medicine, and your lab is called the Cellular and Molecular Arrhythmia Research Program, correct? That's correct. Yay. All right. Good deal. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. This uh, There's so much to unpack in your research, and you're basically dealing with genomics and how that relates to or how that can benefit victims of arrhythmia and particularly sudden cardiac death. So let's just start out by unpacking some of these suitcases. What is arrhythmia? Yeah, great. Um, so thanks so much for having me. Yeah. This is really a pleasure to talk about the topics that interest me the most and I've dedicated my life to. So this is really terrific. Um, so your heart is an, essentially an electrically driven pump and that electricity creates a specific rhythm, just like music rhythm. Um, and then when um, anything perturbs the normal flow of electricity through the heart, then that changes the rhythmic activity of the heart. And then by definition, broadly, that becomes an arrhythmia or abnormal rhythm. Um, and so those come in several different flavors. Some of them can be a little bit bothersome that maybe you, you know, people feel a little uncomfortable or, and then uh, for a few seconds. And then some arrhythmias can be quite dangerous and then result in sudden cardiac death. So obviously, um, identifying who on that latter half of the spectrum, those more severe arrhythmias, who's at risk for those is something that would then prevent those people from having those fatal arrhythmias and then dying from, uh, from that cause. Mm. Okay. I love that you use a music analogy, by oh, the course. way. That's yeah. terrific. You're, in, you're in the right place for that. So I imagine that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that these arrhythmias can be due to some kind of onset of either disease or some kind of trauma later in life, or it can be genetic. It can be from birth. Do you deal with both or is it mostly the latter, the, the genetic cause that you deal with? Yeah, so clinically, I see any type of arrhythmia. So that can be, you know, the spectrum of patients that I see. I'm an adult cardiologist, adult cardiac, cardiac electrophysiologist. So I see teenagers up to people over 100 years old who need various assistance with heart rhythm abnormalities. But from a research standpoint, um, I deal mostly with the genetic underpinnings or genetic causes of these different um, arrhythmia syndromes. And by arrhythmia syndromes, what I mean are very specific um, um, presentations, um, specific syndromes that are associated with uh, dangerous arrhythmias, fatal arrhythmias, um, and that many of them have either well-defined genetic causes um, that we can test for, and then some of them are not so clear. And so it's really that identification of those people before something happens, um, that is the prevention part of this that uh, we're really interested in doing. 
Um, that and then also many of these genetic causes might be related to, let's say, um, a gene mutation in a cardiac ion channel. And those are the electrical switches that um, cause um, diseases like long QT syndrome or another disease, which has a very long name, catecholinergic polymorphic ventricular tachycardia, which is a mouthful. Wow. So, we, so we, we, call that, we call that CPVT. But those are two diseases that tend to present early in childhood, um, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they won't present in someone until they're you know, um, uh, in their 20s or 30s, maybe when someone's pregnant and something, an arrhythmia manifests then. So identifying those people and then providing the right treatment for them is something that um, uh, is that we're very interested in from the clinical side. The research side's a little different um, because some genes have very well known. You know, there's a gene gene mutation that might cause some specific type of heart abnormalities or heart rhythm problem, um, but then some things are less clear. So that's where that terminology of understanding what the function of some of these genes can be um, becomes. M- less diff, less uh, less clear and something that we are investigating in the research lab. Okay. So we are, most of us are familiar with the word genetics and we mm-hmm. relate that to looking at our ancestry, our ethnicity, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that. The word genomics is, is, usually less familiar and and you are dealing in, in both of these worlds so can you just separate those two worlds for us yeah i mean i think what i'm studying is really the intersection of gene abnormalities and um uh and how that relates to heart uh conditions maybe a more more simplified version of studying Genetic abnormalities, maybe as you're referring to, is you know there's a uh, someone inherits a series of genes that encodes for you know, blue eyes, let's say, or black hair. But what I am studying is the intersection of gene abnormalities with heart rhythm uh, manifestations, and some of that can be related to a single gene uh, abnormality, such as in a, for example, like in an ion channel. But genomics really refers to a more broad category of understanding the interaction between several different genes that might then manifest in a specific type of finding in a person. So are you able, and I realize now that I've been mispronouncing the word too, I've been saying genomics, it's genomics. Genomics. Correct? Okay, good to know. Are you able to somehow modify or manipulate, I don't know what the word is, the genetic makeup of someone who would otherwise be prone to an arrhythmia or some kind of a, a other cardiac problem to prevent that from happening? Is that something that is possible now or is being researched for possibility in the future? That sounds so incredibly sci-fi to me. It is, but it's absolutely my dream. So cool. you Tell have me probably about heard about... Um, CRISPR gene editing, um, and that there are individuals now who are having CRISPR gene editing done on certain organs that can be removed from the body, such as bone marrow. So people who have, for example, sickle cell anemia, they have a specific gene mutation um, that um, creates red blood cells that have that sickle shape to them and causes a lifelong you know, problems related to the sickling of those red blood cells. And they are having their bone marrow cells 
removed from the body and then doing CRISPR gene editing on their mutation and then having those cells being put back in the body. And what is that editing? What, what is that the, actually doing to the cells? So then the gene editing, the CRISPR gene editing, um, specifically edits the gene and the sequence of base pairs that has been abnormal, and you create uh, primers then that make that then the normal sequence or what should, what should be there. Okay, what so should, to correct okay. the abnormality. So the majority of cardiac arrhythmia syndromes that I take care of in clinically, the majority of them are related, or at least most of the disease can be attributed to a single gene mutation. There's some nuance to that, but um, the thought is that if they did not have that specific gene mutation, then they would not have this disease. It's a bit harder to take someone's heart out (laughs) and edit those genes and then put it back in. That's obviously not something that we can do. Um, But there, you know, might be the possibility of doing targeted CRISPR editing of the heart, um, but we're a bit far away from doing that now. In a model system, however, we commonly do CRISPR gene editing, for example, on stem cell models. So what I mean by that is to understand someone's disease. And as I said, there might be one major gene, but there might be some other modifiers that can also play a part to that person's arrhythmia disease. We can make um, cardiac stem cells from those patients. And then the idea would be then to figure out what's the exact participation of a specific mutation in that okay. patient. And you can do CRISPR gene editing on that cell line okay. and, then, um, and then understand, okay, so if I were to correct that in that person, this is what I might see. And so we use those as model systems for um, uh, to understand disease mechanism okay. right now. Is what you're doing fall under that category or is it is it a, just a, a similar thing that we're using CRISPR gene editing as a sort of a, as a comparison point? It's a tool. It's so a tool. Okay. CRISPR gene editing is we're using um, this as, as a tool okay. to change the genetic sequence. So whatever, wherever someone has a specific gene mutation, then you can use CRISPR editing then to correct that specific um, uh, mutation in the genomic DNA. Are you replacing parts of the genetic code or are you actually just just modifying what's there? How does that work? Yeah, so um, the editing process works by changing the code that is there to whatever you want to make it. Wow. That's just amazing. And in your research in modifying DNA in order mm -hmm. to help arrhythmia patients, Mm -hmm. is that something that we're we're there and we're doing it or we're getting there? Where are we at and how is that looking? Because that's really exciting. That's amazing. It's exciting. I think the question is, how do you get that into cells that are terminally differentiated. So cells that are going to be dividing again and again, um, then you know any cell that that cell would turn into would then carry on whatever edits that you added right. um, to that cell. Right. And so if you edit a specific cell that doesn't ever divide, like most of our heart cells don't divide, mm-hmm. um, then um, you know what is the impact going to be on that you know on on the whole organ? If it's just a couple cells, probably not a lot. So is it possible to deliver enough of the machinery, the CRISPR gene editing machinery, to the whole heart to edit a critical mass of cells then um, is the the question. 
So, yeah, that's absolutely more of a, um, you know, I think for a lot of these diseases that are related to a single gene mutation, um, or at least the, as I alluded to, the majority of the disease is related to that. Um, we're hopeful that that's the direction that, that we're going um, in. But that finish line keeps getting farther and farther away. As, as, <laughs> it as seems, yeah, you as know? Is the And I think, case you know, many, many of the big questions are things like, well, you know, um, is it best to modify that gene or should we do some of the, you know, maybe supporting um, genes that are more heart specific and what's the overlap going to be and, you know, how much of the heart do you need to capture with that machinery? And I think, you know, in, in the meantime, the my emphasis is to have early identification of those people who are at risk and then work on developing mechanistic-based treatments, so, you know, treatments that are specific for that gene mutation, that syndrome, that arrhythmia, um, rather than kind of a a one-size-fits-all therapeutic approach to this very diverse set of um, syndromes that we take care of. And so, you know, there's uh, there's the, the hope, and then there's the reality of now. And the reality of now is I can't wait to treat someone who is at risk for sudden death to say, maybe we can develop CRISPR gene editing, prime editing for your heart in 10 or 15 years, they'll die by then. So they need something today. Um, And we also need to know today who in that family is at risk, who might um, need to be screened genetically, phenotypically, meaning doing a battery of tests to see if they have signs of that syndrome. I think one of the um, the things to perhaps appreciate, maybe it's not necessarily a question, but it's more of an appreciation that, um, you know, over the last 20 years, there has been an explosion in the genomics world of being able to identify gene variants. And what those gene variants mean is something totally different. So my lab and a number of other labs on on uh, around the, the on campus and then all around the world are using approach uh, to f- try to understand what all of those variants mean and developing new technologies to have a um, as fast of a throughput to assess what those genetic variants are is a, is a major challenge in our field and it's something that. Um, that I spend most of my time on um, so that I can give the appropriate information to a patient who might come to me with, I have this mutation, what does it mean? Um, and then the next steps are, how do you treat that? And, okay. and the following steps, is, as you want to do, is Chris Brad at that. Yeah, <laughs> but right. first we have to define whether or not that's even an issue for right. that person and, and what it causes. Okay, wow, amazing stuff. And my final question is, what do you like to do when you're not in the lab doing all this heavy stuff? I know that uh, you've mentioned your husband, John, and your wonderful daughters, Sarah and Sammy. What do all of you like to do in your off time? Uh, I love to travel with my kids who are all grown. Um, we share a love of most things kinetic. So cross-country skiing, ice skating, 
hiking, running, biking, anything with an ing at the end. <laughs> anything with an ing, do. I like it. We Great. do, and I love doing those things, yeah. Lee Eckhart, thank you so much. I really wish we had an hour. There are so many things that I would love to, to talk about. So thank you. My pleasure. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank sure. you. You've been listening to the Badger Talks podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Lee Eckhart. Please browse our previous episodes for other topics that may be of interest to you. The Badger Talks podcast is a creation of UW Connects and produced at Audio for the Arts Recording Studios in Madison, Wisconsin. Our music is composed by Bill Purdy and performed by the UW Marching Band. I'm Buzz Kemper. Thank you for listening.